This is PFS Festival Radio. Welcome back to Festival Radio. I'm delighted to welcome to the show today Ian McKenna. Ian is founder of the Finance and Technology Research Centre. Ian, welcome to the show. Hello, great to be talking to you. Can we start with a bit of a quick introduction? What do you do? What's it say on your business card? Uh, my business card, you, you, you just said it actually, Director of Finance and Technology Research Centre, but there's there's another part of the business also, which is uh, Digital Wealth Insights. Um, so give you a very, very quick snapshot of what we do. Um, we're a boutique consultancy that focuses on looking at how technology can improve the way in which financial advisors and financial institutions can talk to their customers, communicate with their customers, overall help people better understand their personal finances. Um, we then also have a research software side which produces uh, a number of free products for PFS members that look at both protection products and workplace pension products from a qualitative perspective. And within the Digital Wealth Insights team, we're also constantly looking at what are the leading edge technologies that are emerging, what are the latest trends, how can we make financial advice more affordable, more accessible to the masses and overall deliver a better customer experience to consumers. And before we pressed record for this conversation, we had a brief chat about technology here in the UK for financial planners, but also overseas in the US in particular. What role does technology play today for financial planners in the UK? And how has the importance of technology changed within the financial services sector in the past few years? I know you said to me that maybe in the past sort of 18 months to two years, we've come on leaps and bounds here in the UK. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in answer to your first question, I think technology is playing a bigger and bigger role in financial planning. Um, It's there to take um, a lot of the stress out of the planning process, if you you like. I mean, there's been so much talk over the last uh, five years about, and I hate the term, robo-advice. The reality is that technology is... The best combination is the use of humans and the use of technology. You know, we are not, it doesn't make sense to do huge amounts of detailed calculations on pen and paper. That's just absurd. When a machine can crunch all the numbers for you in milliseconds and throw the answers back to you. Um, It really is all about making the machines do the best bit that they're best at and letting the humans do the bit that they're best at. Mm. You know, will we reach a stage where you will have totally autonomous artificial intelligence systems delivering full financial advice? Actually, I'm going to say we will do one day because, you know, where AI will go in this country, well, globally... Um, is actually quite amazing. But we're a long way off from that. Um, And people really shouldn't see technology as a threat because it isn't. It's a huge enabler. Um, And and it, it can bring so many benefits to the advisors in terms of helping them be more efficient, helping them reduce costs, helping them deliver more consistent, more compliant processes. Um, it really technology is the advisor's friend, 
um, I think one of the challenges that we face is that, you know, many advisors are from, they grew up in an era where perhaps, you know, there weren't computers on every desk at school. There may not have been computers in the school mm. when some advisors, you know, were, were, were educated. So, um, you know, we, we, in a digital era, you have two particular constituencies. You, you have many constituencies, but one way of looking at society is you have digital natives, i.e. people that grew up with technology, people that really cannot remember a time before the World Wide Web existed. Mm. And um, digital immigrants who are people who actually, when they went through the education system, as I said earlier, there wasn't, you know, the technology wasn't about there and they've had to learn to use technology themselves as they've gone along and perhaps find it challenging and aren't really comfortable with it. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest barriers. Um, one of the things, you know, in a world of digital natives and digital immigrants, there, there is a third constituency that you certainly don't want to be in, which is either digital deniers or digital outcasts. Mm, absolutely. Don't pretend that this isn't changing the world, because it absolutely is. Um, and I do, it amazes me when I hear it, I frequently hear advisors saying, my clients don't use technology, to which my question is, have you looked around their homes? <laughs> You know, we live in a world where, you know, the average you consume, you know, the average UK family will have two, three, four tablet devices in their homes. Yep. What percentage of people do not own a smartphone? Um, all the way, actually, up now to real seniors in their in their seventies and maybe early eighties. And again, you know, a, a free can sort of suggestion is oh re retired people but don't don't use phones and, and tablets really mm. actually when people are retired and they've suddenly got a wealth of time on their hands they're talking to their grandkids over over skype because they know that's the probably the way that they'll bet most get to talk to their grandkids and that's a a perfect example actually um screen sharing is a really simple technology that can save advisors hours. Um, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily use Skype for um, a, a compliant advice process. I think you probably want something that will record detail, um, but there, and there are other services that will do that. But in terms of how much time do advisors spend or their clients spend travelling to meetings, mm. all of that is dead time. You can turn it into productive time. So that's, you know, a very simple example of why technology really is the advisor's friend. And then when you get into more complicated issues, um, a real buzzword over the last couple of years has been reg tech. Um, and I remember sitting down with some regulators about two years ago at an event I was invited to. And they were asking how they thought reg tech would be used in the industry. And I basically turned around and said, forgive me, I'm a bit naive what is reg tech? And in the way that only regulators can, they turned around and said, oh, we thought the industry might tell us the answer to that one. <laughs> right. um, and it's taken me a bit of time, but I've actually now got a very clear picture of what reg tech is. And the irony is reg tech's been around for 30 years. Reg tech is technology that helps advisors follow regulated processes mm. 
follow advice processes more efficiently. So actually, if you go back literally 30 plus years to the earliest Morsley sourcing systems, to the early pension transfer analysis systems, these are all examples of reg tech. And when you think of it in that context, we've been using things like that for the last 25, 30 years. So it's not actually new. You know, RegTech's given it a buzzword, which means that lots of venture capitalists and private equity are ploughing money into it. It's actually something we've been doing for years. Mm. And this, I think my point in all of that is don't be scared of the technology. It is your friend. I suppose the one thing I have to caveat with that is invest money on the training. Because if I see one situation which leads to poor advisor experiences, it's that they expect financial advice is a complicated process. We need powerful and complex technology to assess complex customer needs. You can't expect that to pop out of the box and be incredibly easy to use in every situation. You need to train, you know, you need to spend the time learning to use these products. But I would say the quality of what's delivered to advisors today to perform these tasks is immeasurably better than even five years ago. You know, let's let's be honest, the technology deliver, delivered to advisors over the last 15 years has not always been of a great standard. Um, things have moved on significantly. Um, a number of the software suppliers, as these organizations have got scale, they're able to invest far more money in their own R&D. Mm. It's very difficult if you haven't got scale, if you haven't got revenue to actually invest in the in the depth of R&D and development that you need. But that's changing. Ian, it's an exciting time, isn't it, for technology within financial services. And I understand at the Festival of Financial Planning in November, you're hosting a fintech cafe. So what can visitors to the festival expect from that? What we're looking to do is put together an environment where enterprising young startups um, can reach a wide range of advisors and also the institutions that will be attending because they do business with advisors and give simple pitches. Um, within the cafe, there'll be a series of elevator pitches um, so that this is literally, they have 10 minutes to stand up and explain what they're doing. And there's no showing slides. There's no showing PowerPoint decks. It's mm. show real stuff. So, and, and it'll be working in a silent disco approach so that we've not got loads of people talking all over everybody. You know, the, the people giving the pitches will be talking into a mic, but that'll be linked to delegates wearing headsets so they'll be able to hear what people are saying. So they'll get a quick 10-minute pitch and then the opportunity to sit down with the organisations one-to-one to talk about what they're doing and if, and if it's appropriate to their business. So the objective is, is to get lots of people throwing in different ideas. Different firms work in different ways, want different tools. Um, but it's a great opportunity both for those fintechs to actually talk about what they're doing and reach a, the, the, the great audience that the festival is going to bring together, but also for advisors to hoover up a huge amount of information and understanding about the sort of things that are being built. And then, Ian, finally, what's the first music festival you ever went to? <laughs> um, Milton Keynes Bowl in... I can't remember if it was... 
79 or 80, the police was he- were, were headlining. And fortunately, a girlfriend of mine was doing PR for the festival. I say fortunately because it absolutely poured with rain all day. <laughs> but we, we, we were backstage in the tent, in, in, in the VIP tent. And... Um, you know, basically very comfortable. Uh, didn't watch a lot of the festival. I think possibly the only actor went out and watched were, were police, uh, the police. And um, yeah, I've never been a huge festival goer. And I, I think from that, it's an awful thing to admit to, but I tend to only get to them if someone gives me a backstage pass. <laughs> there a, you go. <laughs> it's a good way to be. Ian, thank you for coming on to Festival Radio today. And I look forward to seeing you at the festival in November. Likewise, it's going to be a great event.